Hello and welcome to Jenny, the Jennifer Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Jen Cooper, the founder of Jennifer, where we're elevating wisdom as a lifestyle. If this is your first time here, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. We have such a great show for you today. It is full of so many gems. I'm going to call it now. You're going to want to listen to it twice. It's that good. Can you hear the excitement in my voice? That excitement is one of my gifts. Let me let me ask you something before I introduce today's guest. How good are you at acknowledging the things that make you undeniably you, your gifts, things that maybe you don't like about yourself, even though you should, again, gifts, things that maybe somebody teased you about, the things you can't hide. We're going to talk about a lot of that today. Because I know you've heard that those things that make you quirky or that you want to hide are the very things you should lean into. They are, in essence, your style. And I think that's honestly why knowing or expressing your style can be kind of hard, challenging. And I think that's where so many get it wrong. Rather than trying to keep up on all of the latest trends, style is basically an outward projection of who you are at your core. And I think that's why I've been so passionate about what we're doing at Jennifer, creating a space and resources that help you get to know who you are at this stage in your life. Celebrate those quirky things. Celebrate that excitement. Celebrate those things that are undeniably you. Which brings me to today's guest. My guest today is author, personal stylist, and Jennifer Magazine style contributor, Susan Padrone. Sidebar, you can catch her latest in the issue of Jennifer Magazine, where she shares how to embrace your sex appeal. Highly, highly, highly recommend. Go check that out. But today we're talking about the sometimes winding paths our lives can take, those moments where we were made to feel ashamed for something that was, quite frankly, one of our gifts. What can happen when we decide to give ourselves and our style some love and attention? And uh, this is the exciting part too. It's all exciting. But I get Susan to reveal some of her top style tips. You're going to get insider stuff. I know. So good. Before we get to the interview, a couple of things I want to share first. I just finished a fantastic biography by Lily Anolik. It's called Hollywood's Eve, Eve Babbitts, and the Secret History of L.A. Now, I wasn't familiar with Eve Babbitts. I actually picked the book up in a secondhand bookstore on a whim. It is a fascinating read. Eve is completely complicated. Uh, Her political views diverge completely from my own, at least towards the end of her life. She became a recluse. She became super right-wing, listening to, uh, you know, right-wing media all the time. It really hardened her views. And also, I suspect, (laughs) reading between the lines of the biography, she was kind of an a-hole in real life. But I think, you know what, I, I think that's one of the things I love. So often, women aren't able to say exactly what's on their minds. You know, we have a tendency to soften it. And Eve softened nothing, nothing. She softened nothing. Uh, and I just find that so refreshing. It's, it's, it's a really great read. And Nolik gets into the comparison trap between her, between Eve and Joan Didion. 
She talks about this elitist air of East Coast versus West Coast. It's all so good. Anyway, what I'm saying is Eve Babbitt's definitely had a, a style. <laughs> it radiated as soon as she walked into a room. And I don't know if I personally have that kind of fearlessness. I like to play the edges of a room more than put myself in the center of it. But it definitely is a book to read when you want to feel emboldened. And uh, I also just picked up her collection of essays. It's called Slow Days, Fast Company. It's genius. She was a woman who did not get her due during her time. So if we can all show some love for those women who were pioneers and the ones who were who were discarded, who were, you know, maybe we don't agree 100% with them, but their work is fantastic. I think just celebrating that is huge. So that's my first recommendation. The other recommendation I have is, how come none of you told me how good Feud was? I'm watching it now. I'm watching the first season. It's got Joan Crawford, Betty Davis, like it's their feud. And oh my God, <laughs> so Good. It's an example of that thing where women fight other women for scraps. And yet each woman is just far too powerful and talented to do such a thing. So it's been fascinating. I know the Capote swan season is what uh, is making the press rounds, which is basically what got me into the show. I couldn't skip to season two, even though I know they're discreet things. I got this, I don't know, maybe it's good girl mentality where I have to complete one thing before going on to the next. But I started it. It's fantastic. If you've seen it, please tell me what you think. And also, I want to hear <laughs> I want to hear your thoughts about here's my thought. One of the things I found most fascinating about the show was it's historical, right? And it just blows my mind how much some of this infighting we still see makes total sense today because we have not broken the patterns of, I can't call it abuse, but I I will call it abuse of power, I guess, or like hoarding power. Anyway, again, let me know what you think. I'm riveted And the performances are fantastic. Susan Sarandon, Jessica Lange, everybody in it is amazing. And obviously the costuming is chef's kiss. So it's all great. So yeah, let me know. I'm genuinely interested in what you think. Okay, now that I've got all of that off of my chest, let's get to the show. I have your book and your workbook. Love them both. I love how empowering it is. Thank you. You know, it's about... Really, I think the workbook really makes you think about yourself so that you can determine your style. I think that's great. But what I found interesting about the book (laughs) and just about you in general is how you opened it with how you got to where you are, (laughs) (laughs) which Mm -hmm. is, yeah, you started off as a middle school uh, music teacher, right? Yeah. Yeah. I taught middle school band and general music for about seven years. That's a good long, that's a, that's a healthy chunk of time. It was a commitment. (laughs) (laughs) No, honestly, I really enjoyed it um, until I didn't. And it was interesting because it was something that like I gave my whole self to for a very long time. And it was, you know, before my son was born and, you know, my, my students were my kids and I cared deeply 
for, for them, for just wanting to help them to not just like succeed in the music classroom, but just to blossom in this really difficult time in their lives. Cause middle school is, uh, is rough. It's a rough time. It, it is. <laughs> okay. So two questions. One, these are both too big to like put together, but somehow <laughs> I'm going to do it because I don't know. Cause that's, I love it. Yeah. What I'm going to do. Did you, do you have a scarring moment? Like, do you have a trauma moment from, from middle school? Cause I know I did. Oh my God. So many, um, oh. <laughs> to pick one. You don't have to tell me what it is. <laughs> I'm just really curious because I find it so like my moment of middle school trauma is something that still comes up all of these years later for me. Yeah. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. For me, it was being iced out of a group and yeah. trying to get the mean girls to like me that yeah. outside validation. And I still sometimes seek out people who are mean girls and yeah. I don't realize it. I'm like, no, like me, like me, like me. Who thought that that would still be happening? I guess what I'm saying, not to make this interview about me, <laughs> which I'm doing so elegantly. No, it's funny. Why would you choose such a tough <laughs> time in someone's life? Yeah, like I mean, stressful, awkward time in most of our lives. And you're here like, no, I'm going to do band, which is also <laughs> an added layer of awkwardness. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> so it's it's funny because like you, I had many middle school traumas that still come up for me to this day, where I still feel like I when I do like inner child work, for me, I feel like, you know, in some ways, it's that traditional sense of like going back to that like very young version of me but I find I go back more to the middle school version of myself where because I feel like that was when I started to kind of come away from the things that I wanted to do you know just for me you know because you're seeking that outside validation just like you said and with <laughs> how brutal middle schoolers can be to one another, you know, that's where you can be like, oh, well, this is what I love. This is what I, I am unashamed to love this so deeply, so fiercely. And all it takes is one person. It doesn't even have to be someone in your friend group, but one person at that age to step in and be like, that's lame or that's dumb. And you're like, yeah, no, that's, that's dumb. I hate that forever, you know? <laughs> and then once you become more of a confident adult, you're able to kind of revisit some of those things. And then it's all about like giving yourself that permission to be like, you know what? I do really like this. And I feel really good about liking that and embracing it and showcasing it as part of me. And I feel like that's so deeply <laughs> ingrained in the work that I do as a stylist now, but it's something that I really tried to do with my students too giving them permission to be themselves in this very deeply awkward, uncomfortable time. And why I chose middle school, you know, it's partly based on, you know, what I was just explaining, but I think also too, for me, while middle school was awful <laughs> in a lot of ways, I remember my middle school band director being one of the biggest influences in my musical career that I had up until I changed careers. 
And I think that he was somebody that I always kind of came back to. So when I knew that I was going to school for music education and I was trying to determine where I wanted to focus because my certification is kindergarten through 12th grade, all kinds of music. So, which is scary. It's like, oh, my certification tells me I'm qualified to do what now? Like, are you sure about that? (laughs) But that's what it was, kindergarten through 12th grade and any kind of music. But band and specifically middle school band was what I felt, you know, most connected to. And I loved that, like, they were still young where there's a little bit of that innocence. They still kind of looked up to some of their teachers. You know, they didn't have that high school, like, too cool for Edge. school <laughs> Yeah. They were old enough that they could take care of all their bodily fluids. So like I wasn't cleaning up like those kind of messes, which, you know, is something that I was like not into, you know, there were tears. There were definitely some, some kids that were, would cry like you'd think in elementary school, but it was all in all, I really tried to create a safe space for my students. And I, I really just enjoyed the, the connection that some of them really felt comfortable opening up to and sharing with me while I could guide them on this path to having a relationship with music, whatever that ended up looking like. So was your, this band teacher that you had that was so influential in your life, I'm assuming he saw something in you where he created this sense of belonging rather yes. than him being one of these people are like, that's stupid. Don't like this, do this. He told you about something that you really liked mm-hmm. was, was okay to like, was it, it's childish. It's like something you say to kids or kids say, I don't even know if they still say it, but like, don't yuck my yum. Mm, right. You know? So was he, so he was that for you. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, one of my like best experiences in school in general was working with this band director and this music teacher and how he like gave us, he gave me and like a few other, you know, flute players and other talented musicians in our band, this opportunity to really dive into our excitement and our passion for playing. And that felt so good. And that's something that I think I continued to like revisit and focus on for myself and then be able to do that for my students too, which was really cool. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I emailed him my first year teaching. I was like, I don't know if you remember me, but I'm teaching middle school band and you're a big reason why. And he got back to me right away. And it was a really like nice full circle moment. Mm. Well, I'm going to transition there to what you're doing now, because there's still, there's so many similarities. So like on the surface, I was like, huh, interesting middle school band teacher mm-hmm. to personal stylist, but there's so much there that is surprisingly interconnected. When you think about what you're talking about, like, what do I love? Mm-hmm. That is style. Yeah. What do I want to project? And also this idea of I keep coming back to this thing that um, has been going around the internet. Brene Brown said, you know, the difference between fitting in and belonging or something like Mm -hmm. that and how the opposite of fitting in is belonging. Mm. In middle school, when we are focused on the external, what Mm -hmm. do other people think is cool? What do other people think is dumb? It happens still in adulthood, which is really surprising to me. Mm -hmm. I thought we would get out of it, but sometimes you're like, wow, this is very reminiscent of a different time. It's trying to fit in. 
Yes. Not about belonging. Mm -mm. And so I wonder if you could talk just about the intersection of belonging and style and like what you carried over from those years into how you approach being a stylist for people. Sure. Yeah. I, I think that you're, you know, that Brene Brown quote (laughs) is absolutely relevant, especially in the work that I do, because I find that when my clients come to me at first, it's because they feel like they don't have a style in this moment, in this phase of their life. Maybe they did at one point, but they changed their life changed. COVID happened, whatever it is. And they feel like they don't have that style anymore. And then it develops this like kind of sense of anxiety because they're afraid of not fitting in, right? They're afraid to show up places and look like they don't belong there or going to work in this new role that they have and not looking the part. So they have this kind of mindset that is centered around fitting in. But what I help guide them through is really allowing them to come back to their selves in their their core being, their uniqueness as an individual and saying, you know, what what is it that you want to wear? Like, what do you actually like? And then we can shape that into a way that is a style expression for you that makes you feel really excited to get dressed and go out with your friends or go out on dates or just going to work, you know, and being like, yeah, this is what a boss looks like. You know, I love being able to do that. I have a lot of, you know, high level, high powered clients and they had this resistance to showing up in traditional professional attire. And we work around that. We're like, yeah, there's no reason that you need to dress like the other old white guys you work with. Like, absolutely not. That's not your vibe. That's not who you are. So let's make it so that you're showing up in your fully empowered self and getting to do that with clothes. I mean, it's the best. (laughs) So much fun. My clients do too. It's a good time. Yeah, no, it is a good time. And I've worked with you and I know this and I can attest. (laughs) I can attest that it is a good time. In fact, something that we did a video together, love that. Mm -hmm. And so if you want to kind of see the approach of how Susan works with somebody in a very, you can see the fun, you can see the joy, you can see the light. Check out the video on YouTube, on our YouTube page to see that. You picked out something I would never have picked out for myself, but we did that pre-work where it's like you saw something in there and you brought it out. And I was like, dang, I love this. It was like, it was very, it was this low cut, like, like thing. And I was like, I would never have worn that. Like, I would never have felt like, oh, I should wear that. And you saw it and you're like, no, you can pull this off. And I was like, and I did, and I wear it on date nights now, and I'm not trying to fit in. I'm belonging to myself and and who I am in my shine. Yes, exactly. And it's so great. And I love when other people do it. Like I follow a bunch of other accounts, like older women who like, finally are coming into, they're like, no, I've always wanted to dress loudly or, oh, I've always wanted to dress this way. And it is, I love it when I see it. So why am I not giving that to myself? Mm, Yeah. Right. So anyway, thank you. Thank you for your work. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of you saying like, you know, this idea of, I don't want to dress in a certain way because I don't feel like I, I fit what's happening in the room, but that's part of the thing, right? 
That's oh, part yeah. of the thing. You fit in any room that you go into the way that you want. Somehow it feels deeper when you go into a room and you are the boss, especially as a woman or a person of color or part of the LGBTQ community, you're like, no, this is me. I belong here just as much as anybody else. And this is how I present. And this is, this is it. I love that. I love, I love that. So again, thank you for your work, Aww, thank you. <laughs> which I want to, I want to talk about stylists because I, I don't know if you're like me, but I remember watching like what not to wear and other shows oh. like that back oh, yeah. in the day. Uh-huh. You know? I loved what not to wear. And <laughs> looking back on it, it is so problematic. So incredibly problematic. And granted, like the majority of makeover shows that came out prior to Queer Eye, the, the, the new one, that's yeah, on the Netflix. The old one was, was problematic too. Sometimes I look back and I'm like, oh no, they said that to somebody. <laughs> I know. I know. And like even the, the new Queer Eye is not completely without faults, you know, but it is way better than shows like What Not to Wear and The Old Queer Eye and all of the other (laughs) problematic makeover shows that existed that we all, you know, grew up on. And, but looking back on (laughs) What Not to Wear, which I used to watch religiously, like I wasn't real big, like going out when I was in college until, you know, I was like a little bit older, but like my freshman year of college, I remember doing laundry on Friday nights and watching what not to wear because I was like everybody's out so I'll be able to do my laundry in peace and I'll get to watch the new episode of what not to wear but looking back on it now I'm just like oh no oh no they said such harmful things to people and everything was about like fitting fitting in and being put into this teeny tiny little box with all the other boxes that all the other participants were being forced into. And for so many of these people, it was such a dramatic transformation. And I use transformation not with a positive connotation, like just in more of like the literal sense that there's no way these people were expected to be able to maintain it. You know, while they had their quote unquote rules that they were expected to follow, there was no, they just lost the the identity, the essence of the participants. It was like, what you're doing is wrong. I'm going to teach you the right way. And this is how you should look. And even saying that, like, I have this like visceral reaction. My body just like tenses up like, look, cause it's so not the way that I approach styling as you know, like it's just not, it's not okay. Like no one should approach styling in that way or getting dressed in that way. I pulled up a quote from, um, there's this writer, Stacy Kasky, who uh, writes for the list.com. And so, cause I was like, I feel like it was problematic, but I haven't seen it in years. Is my memory right? Cause memory is mm-hmm. so fallible, yeah. but Here's a piece that she wrote for it. Um, One of her paragraphs, she says that Clinton in season nine asked, don't you think this is a little junior high school punk wannabe going back to middle school? Look at how that Mm -hmm. comes. Those like little trigger points that they're pressing on on our heart, our hurts, our hearts. Oh my gosh, that was a Freudian slip. Um, (laughs) uh, He goes on to say, you do realize it's possible to spend a lot of money and still look cheap. He tells Tristan in season 10, it's fair to say 
Stacey Kasky goes on to write that much of the host's style advice hasn't aged well. They enforce gender stereotypes, mm-hmm. old guests to quote unquote dress for their age. Yep. And asked women with larger busts to cover up. Always. Mm-hmm. Overall, it was a show that promoted thinness, mm-hmm. questionable pattern shirts, <laughs> snarky. That's a little snarky. I like it. Um, and skinny jeans. Looking yeah. back on the show, even former host Stacey London has reassessed what not to wear's rigid fashion rules. And so I really, I really feel that those early aughts that so many of us, if we weren't growing up in them or coming of age in them, we experienced them. It was the age of insult as love. Mm-hmm. and yeah. the rules that would make you feel ashamed of yourself if you did not show up to fit in. Yeah. There was not belonging. So what rules, because <laughs> <laughs> we talked a little bit about your approach, but what rules are you happy people are breaking now? Oh my gosh, so many. I'm happy. I mean, <laughs> I'm a I'm a natural rule breaker at heart. So whenever anybody's like, damning a rule I'm I'm here for it I'm like yes like I'm your cheerleader I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it completely um I love the idea that a lot of people are stepping away from the concept of flattering and what flattering means because flattering has a real undertone of fat shaming fat phobia it's like, you know, make sure that you're looking thin or that you're hiding. There's like all of these little nuances that are sprinkled in that are under that umbrella of flattering. And, you know, if you're showing your, if you have a little bit of a belly or if you have a lot of bit of a belly and you're showing it, it's like, ooh, is, are we sure that that's flattering? Or like if we choose to wear something that's looser, because we like more of an undefined silhouette. It's like, oh, well, maybe you should wear something that's flattering. And people just stepping up and being like, no, what, what does that even mean? Like, what are you trying to say about the way that you're perceiving my body in these clothes? And by embracing just what feels good for you and different silhouettes, different styles, and not focusing solely on what's flattering. I think that that is probably the the rule <laughs> that I am the most excited about that people are just stepping away from. There can be so much focus on like a lower belly for, you know, for women who maybe they've had kids, maybe they haven't, but like, it's like, oh no, like we can't possibly see the outline of a lower belly in the pair of pants that you're wearing. And granted, some people just don't want to show that off. And that's, that's fine. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. It's right. People that are embracing it because they're like, this is my body. It's here regardless if I'm showing it or not. <laughs> and I love what I'm wearing. You know, that's where when they get attacked, when they're being questioned, that's where that's where my passion kind of steps in. I'm like, mm. <laughs> yeah, like no, I, I think the difference in the distinction there is, is important because sometimes I tend to go too far to an edge where it's like, no, everybody should be okay with every type of body. So you have whatever, mm-hmm. but there are people who are for them, their sense of belonging is to look a certain way, but it's about the outside coming in, right? So right. it's not about the inside shining out. It's about the outside. It's about still trying to get that validation from outside. 
Yes. Rather than be comfortable. No, I like when my stomach looks this way, Mm -hmm. whatever way that is, I like it, (laughs) you know, good, good. I think it's just, it's when we start also upholding these standards for each other that Mm -hmm. are suffocating for sure, because it just doesn't let us be expansive and be ourselves, you know, when, when we're in that kind of environment of we're surrounded by the shoulds, right? Like all of the, you should be wearing this, you should be doing this, you should look this way. That's where we just get weighted down and feel like we can't just be, you know, if we're constantly trying to look a certain way, we're constantly trying to lose weight or dress like this person or look like that person. It's just, you're so focused on all of the other factors and all the other things that you're not showing up for yourself. And that impacts so much of the rest of your life. And that's something that I see with a lot of my clients too, where they might not even be fully aware of how they've been preventing themselves from achieving certain things within their life until they start being excited to show up for themselves. Mm. Because then it creates this like beautiful domino effect that triggers all of these other opportunities for them. And it's, it's beautiful. And I love it. <laughs> oh my God. I just gave you an Oprah. Mm, like, cause it hit me so hard. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, that was Yeah. Yeah. I know that's how I felt. I know that's how I felt. I actually spoke with somebody else who just is going to be working with you. And we were so excited. I was like, oh my God, I cannot wait for you to feel so good. You know, like it's just, it's amazing. So speaking of being a stylist, I don't want you to give away all your secrets, but what is one of your top style tips? Ooh, my top style tips. I have so many that I want to share. It's kind of tough to just choose one. Okay. Well then what are your top style tips? I can reframe. I am here. (laughs) I can reframe. I'm not, I'm not holding these questions preciously. So I I think (laughs) one of my favorite style tips is to try not to doubt what you're drawn to because so frequently you know, I'll be speaking to people and they'll say, oh my gosh, I just love like, you know, I'll just do sequins as like (laughs) an example, because, you know, we're in the winter season and sequins are everywhere, but it's like, oh, I just, I love sequins, but like, oh, I could never wear them or I could never wear that there. So there's that like initial, like, Ooh, like I'm being drawn to it. I want to wear it. But then that voice that comes in that says, no, 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 that middle school voice, that middle school bully, mean girl, that's like, no, you can't like that. And what I love to encourage, you know, the listeners, my clients, anybody who has that kind of experience is to take a minute and before you let that voice win, that middle school mean girl win, that you ask yourself, like, what is it about sequins that you like? Is it that they just have this natural ability to sparkle and shine in any kind of situation? Is it that they make you feel like you did when you were a little kid and you had a pair of sequin shoes that you could just put on and you immediately felt like a like magical superhero that could take on the world? Like, what is it that makes you drawn to it? 
And is there either a garment or an accessory that you can embrace that makes you feel that way? Or is it just kind of finding something else that creates that same kind of emotional experience for you? So it's so easy to just shoot ourselves down and be like, nope, we can't wear that. Or like, what am I, when am I going to wear sequins? Like, am I just going to wear it for like a holiday party and that's it? Like, is that going to be the end of it? No. I mean, if you look in my closet, I have like an embarrassing amount of sequins, not an embarrassing amount of sequins. I have an appropriate amount of sequins. For how much <laughs> yes. I'm going to reframe yes. that right there. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, this is, yeah, this is one of the reasons why I am so grateful that you write for us because I, this is the, this is what I'm here for. It's that deeper work that, yeah, it's a sequin, but what does it mean? What yes. is it symbolizing to you? Cause yeah. that's style, right? Again, that's coming from the inside out. Yeah. So what's one of your other top tips? Cause that is juicy gold and we could weave that here and everybody should be sharing <laughs> with their friends so that they can hear yeah. pe people saying like, no, wear what you want to wear, but go on, give mm. me another one. All right. So another one of my, my favorite tips is to, if you feel like you don't have a style to actually take the time to look at your closet and pull out the pieces that you like to wear. And again, like I'm all about asking questions as you know, Jen, from my workbook, my workbook is almost like exclusively questions to like ask yourself because that's, I mean, my clients kind of joke about it. They're always like, Susan's approach to style is like, well, why do you like it? And I'm like, well, yeah, that, yes. Because if you can't answer those questions, then you will not be able to do this for yourself after the time that we work together. Like I have clients that I've worked with for years. I love that. I will continue to work with them until they don't need me anymore, whether it's for, you know, a month, six months, years, whatever it is. I ultimately want my clients to leave the nest, spread their wings and fly. That's mm -hmm. what I want. So, empowerment is so empowerment. attractive and sexy and yes, go on. I am so, so okay. Go on. <laughs> Good. So by going through your closet and pulling out the pieces that you actually really like to wear, that's when you can start to get data right? Because I mean, there is some initial data that has to happen before you can really start to say like, this is my style, especially if you're kind of questioning it. And by looking at the different pieces that you enjoy wearing, asking yourself, what is it about this piece? What do I like about it? Why? And is it how it feels? Is it how I look in it? Is it because I have a really awesome memory associated with it? Like, was it when I went on this really hot date? Is it when I like got this really amazing promotion? You know, whatever, whatever it is, it's important to have that information because then that will give you information to then apply for future outfits that you're putting together for future shopping that you're doing. And you can start to connect the dots when you go through those individual favorite pieces and you'll start to notice a trend rather than just staring at your closet in its entirety and you <laughs> you become almost incapable of seeing all of your favorite pieces when you have a lot of what I like to call visual noise in there too which are the pieces that you're not wearing the pieces that maybe they don't fit you the way that they once did or maybe you just don't like them you know, and that's okay too. And when you have a minute, 
start by editing that closet, getting rid of those pieces, getting rid of that visual noise so that you're just left with the pieces that you enjoy wearing and the pieces that do speak to you because there is like, <laughs> it's not a whole lot better when it comes to style than opening your closet and being like, what do I get to wear today? Rather than like, what do I have to wear? Yeah. One of the hardest style moments of my life was when I, <laughs> several years ago, almost a decade at this point, which is wild. I went back to a conventional office, you know, so not my bed <laughs> where I write or the couch or yeah. in my dining room. And I remember I was really excited because I was going to get a paycheck that was consistent every two weeks. It was a very nice salary, but I also remember it was a very conventional, like very traditional, very, when I walked in, people are like, you do not fit here. They could just clock it right yeah. away. And I think that's part of why I was brought in, but that's also why it didn't work. Do you know what mm. I mean? Sometimes we think we want something, but we don't actually want it. We say we want it, but we don't actually want it. So anyway, I was that, that thing. <laughs> so anyway, but I remember going to, you know, all of the stores and trying to find clothes that would fit in. And uh, I remember feeling so small, mm. so small. And I mean, like energetically, just so yeah. small, so timid, which is not who I am. So not you. Yeah. <laughs> You're far from me, which I love. And I remember feeling this uh, conflict. I was so, I was spending so much time in this conflict. It was such a waste of my time, everyone's time, because I was dealing with this conflict of my style, not matching my personality and yeah. trying to fit my personality to fit with the style that's outside rather than bring all of the, the energy that I have to a place. Yeah. I still think about that. Anybody who is living that life. Yeah. It's hard. You, you feel it's hard. It is hard. It's hard. Yeah. You're spending a lot of time on things that aren't important, which I know is weird to bring up in a podcast about style, but I feel no, like it's all intertwined. It's oh my gosh, absolutely yeah. intertwined. No, I completely support this conversation taking this direction because it all is very, very much all part of it. Because yeah. if we're wearing clothes that make us feel small and small in the like insignificant kind of way, not small in like actual size, then we don't put our best selves out there. And I don't want people to hear that and think that I'm saying like, oh, well, you need designer clothes or you need expensive things. Like that is not the direction that we're taking here. It's about the pieces that feel good, that feel like a reflection of you, because whether we like it or not, the way that we present ourselves has a direct impact in all aspects of our life. You know, whether it's a first impression, whether it's walking into a meeting, whether it's just meeting people for the first time, you know, whatever it is, you want that, that first outer layer of yourself to feel like an aligned representation of who you are inside. Absolutely. Okay. So because I'm a fan of threes, do you have one more style? <laughs> I feel like all of this is so rich and so good. And like, I don't want to overwhelm people, but I feel like people can listen to this multiple times. So let's go for style tip number three. 
Yes. All right. Yeah. So style tip number three is to allow yourself to get inspiration from social media, but try not to just copy and paste outfits for yourself. You know, it's fine to start to, you know, to follow certain influencers, to follow certain brands and say like, oh, you know, I like that. Like, how would that work for me? And experiment. I strongly, strongly encourage experimenting with style. But when you're exclusively trying to just recreate what you see, whether it's on social media or Pinterest or whatever it is, you are not allowing the space for you to come forward. <laughs> You're following a recipe rather than, you know, playing around with it a little bit and seeing, you know, okay, well, you know, I like what they're doing and how can I have something similar to that? And that's what I would encourage more so than just going on their, <laughs> you know, on their website, like clicking that link in their bio and then just buying all the things and seeing whether or not it works for you. I like to refer to that as outfit plagiarism. You know, I've never just, heard of it that way. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's the same thing as walking into a store and seeing something on a mannequin and being like that, I will wear that because it just, and that's fine. Sometimes that happens. But again, if that's how you're creating your style in that copy paste outfit plagiarism kind of way, it's just, it's not allowing the space for you. And that is definitely where I think all of my rules come back to. It's that, that core value of making sure that you as a unique individual are shining through whatever you're wearing. Mm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I'm going to share a styling tip because I, and this is from you. So we, we got some jeans because I was looking for those and they were wonderful. And I have the type of body that sometimes jeans fit in one spot. I, every person is, especially almost, what is it? Like 90% of the population is like this because only like the jeans are made and everything's made for like commercial size that does not mm -hmm. actually fit most bodies. So, Correct. um, and it will fit in one area and it will not fit in another. And for years, I always felt bad, like, oh, if my thighs were thinner or, oh, if my butt wasn't, you know, whatever. So I got the jeans and my number one styling tip is to get your jeans tailored. So they fit <laughs> your body. Oh my God. Amazing. <laughs> I've never done it. It's not even that expensive. I found a seamstress no. in town and I was like, can you do this? And can you do that? And she's like, yep, yep, yep. And I got them back and I was like, oh, they fit. Yeah. <laughs> it felt so good. Yay. Yeah. I love that. And that's such a great tip too. You know, it's because some people, <laughs> I have some clients who will see a pair of pants and they'll be like, oh no, I'm too short for those. I was like, honey, a tailor, my love, like take them to a tailor and then they will be perfection for you. Like I am not a tall person. I am five foot two. I mean, most of my pants in order for me to wear pants that don't need to be hemmed, they are either made to be cropped or ankle length. And then I have the perfect length of pants because I am a short person, <laughs> but like that's also, that's also like my, I know we shouldn't have done a fourth styling tip, but like, no, for go, any go for it. this is a bonus scope. Okay. It's a bonus. Yeah. We did three and now we're doing bonus tips. So it's yeah. like, it's just <laughs> all the value in this episode and I love it. But yeah, if you are a shorter person, like if you are under five foot five, 
look for pants that are cropped or ankle length because I'll tell you a little styling secret. No one's going to know. Just like no one's going to know if you got your pants tailored. They're just going to be like, oh my gosh, where did you get those jeans? They look like they were made for you. And you're going to be like, they kind of were. And that's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's, I have this little secret. It's called a tailor. And uh... <laughs> and we are putting more money in our community when we go yes. to the tailor, because these are always people who are small businesses. So Absolutely. anyway, I just had to do that kind of like conflation because I'm always like, what can we do to increase and support our communities where we live? Yeah. And I love the idea of this tailoring and like what you just said, it's not about fitting in. It's about these things belong to me now. How do I feel in them? So I just, I love that. So finally, 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 again, people are going to want to listen to this multiple times because it is so rich and so good and luscious. How do you want your clients to feel going to their closet every day? Because as you said, you know, in our video, you're like, you know, your closet is one place you go to every day, sometimes multiple times a day. And so what is it, there's this, what is it that you want your clients to feel? Mm, I want them to feel excited, empowered, and just ready, ready for their day. You know, I want them to look in their closet and feel like it's just an extension of themselves and being so lit up by the fact that they have these options and it doesn't have to be, you know, in a like a ridiculous amount of options, although it can be, it just has to be the right number for you. What feels achievable, what feels exciting and being able to put those pieces together and be able to walk out the door and feel good. Because when you radiate that confidence, Mm. the compliments come in. Not that we need that outside validation. We don't need it but it does feel good when we get it. I'm a words of affirmation. That's my love language. So like, it still helps. Like, I know I look good, but thank you for, for telling me to. Exactly. Yeah, no, I am <laughs> acknowledging my shine. Thank you. We are very similar in that way where it's like, <laughs> like, I don't need you to tell me to look good, but I really do like it. <laughs> so anything that you want to leave people with, like anything that you want people to know, if they loved the tips that we are sharing today and the stories that you know, I was telling, I have a podcast that they can check out on all platforms. And it's, my name, it's the Susan Padrone podcast. It's really uh, good. That Jen and I were talking about that I wrote, you know, my, um, my style memoir that has this like beautiful spirituality kind of undertone to it. That can be purchased wherever books are sold. And it's called We Don't Do Just Okay Anymore. And then there's also a workbook that you can do either separately or along with the book. And it's Beyond Just Okay. And those are definitely some really great resources. If you're excited about all of this, but you're not quite sure where to start. And if you are ready to start, then of course, I offer one-on-one services. And I'm happy to do that either virtually or in person. And finally, where can people find you? On Instagram is where I'm the most active and present. And, you know, if you listen to this episode and you have questions or you just want to connect, I, it is me completely in my messages and my DMs. So you can send me a message and reach out. I love hearing it. And my, uh, my handle on Instagram is Susan Padrone underscore stylist. Thank you so much, Susan. I feel just like this was like, just so full of gifts. 
Thank you. So thank you. Thank you for being here. And thank you for writing for the magazine. Oh, everybody should check out all of Susan's amazing advice and tips and and thoughts uh, in jennifermag.com. She has things from where to find bathing suits that will fit and be gender inclusive to, I mean, there's just so much there. (laughs) There's so much. I love it. So thank Thank you so much. Of course. Thanks for having me. Many, many, many thanks to Susan. You can find Susan Padrone on her Instagram at Susan Padrone. You can also find her on her site, SusanPadrone.com, where you can book her services and also buy her books. And if you want to get a sense of the energy she brings to a session, check out our video with her on our YouTube channel. I had the privilege of working with her and it was wonderful. The laughs that you see in the, in the video, 100% genuine completely unscripted. It was fantastic. You can also find Susan's tips for finding your sexy in our latest issue of Jennifer. Visit jennifermag.com. I love the way Susan asks the right questions. As for us, you can find us on Instagram at jennifer underscore magazine and jennifermag.com, where in addition to Susan's genius tips, You'll find insightful, thought-provoking articles, essays, content about living a lifestyle with some wisdom on it. This podcast is edited by the brilliant Carrie M. Thank you, Carrie, for making us sound good. And speaking of thanks, I want to thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, subscribe, share it, leave a lovely review. It'd mean the world to us. And with that, I'll say until next time. 